Welcome to episode 459 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Team, welcome along to episode four five nine of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? Good. It's good to be back, Bevan. A couple oh, of weeks. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Good trip. Yep. Good trip. Good to be back in the studios. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. How long were you gone for? Oh, Ten days. What's the highlight? Brunch at Jester's Cafe. Where's Jester's? In Tasman. Highly recommend the. Hash brown breakfast. Oh, I love myself a hash brown. Mm, They're not healthy, are they? No, no, health- this one's pretty good. Really? Yeah. How can you have a healthy hash brown? That's pretty good. Because, but, but I like the ones that are unhealthy. No, you know the ones that are just like you can feel the oil just go no, in your mouth. This one's not like that at all. Oh, I love a hash brown. I don't have them often because they're not that healthy. But this one was. It's not even last on in Christchurch, didn't it, Jumbo? Yep. Winter has arrived. We've got, from here we can see the mountains and we can see right down practically snow. There's no snow yesterday, or well, not much, if any. Uh-huh. And right to the foot of the foot of the hills. So it's, it's always, freezing. Did you wake up last night? No. Sounded like the world was going to end. Yeah, no, yeah, I was like, all good in the hood. We survived. Okay, guys. Uh, wow, I'm talking to wow. you. I'm talking to you, mate. Athletics.com. Uh, social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. Your lactic buffer. Trainerroad.com. Uh, your great training tool. And our lovely patrons. We're going to name a couple this week? You got it, I haven't got a uh, right in front of me. What Sorry, we're doing patrons. is we're naming a few patrons each week and John hasn't done his work I yet. I haven't just haven't got the file in front of me we've got some nicknames at the end of the okay, show well we, you know who you are you guys are stars okay in this week's show we've got uh, news we've got a discussion of the week we've got statistics and I see you've done some homework on Coach's Corner oh yeah I've got a good question in so yeah yeah but good. this is going to take 10 hours to respond based on how many answers you put in here that's no, okay I'll keep it short and concise uh, we'll do, we'll do the interview process uh, questions and answers at the end and then we'll kind of acknowledge our patrons as well so news we had Ironman Taiwan happen last weekend and it sounds like it was a pretty tough day at the office it did and uh, it was uh, first up race on this course and they've had I believe they've had a 70.3 there before I think and we had a new winner uh Domenico Pasuello from Italy, former um, pro cyclist with uh, the Quick Step team, I believe. And as you would expect, he crushed them on the bike and but put in a pretty bloody handy swim and run. And so about fifty three or fifty two, didn't he? Yeah. So yeah. this guy shouldn't be a complete surprise to us. Um, a couple of weeks ago, he beat Craig Alexander in a seventy point three and didn't just beat him; he absolutely crushed him. So he in that race he went three fifty eight to Craig Alexander's four oh nine. Now to be fair, Craig Alexander had a pretty poor run there. But uh, at the same race, this guy also put 12 minutes into Frederick Cronenberg and uh, a couple of other dudes who are fairly decent. So it was a pretty impressive performance. And he swam 52, biked 432. Nice. Because it's ran, not, a straight, not a flat course, is no, it? No, and he no. ran 255 for an 825, uh, just holding off Frederick Cronenberg, who came home with a 249. 249. Yeah. 
Frederick Cronenberg, haven't met him before. Man, he looks tiny. Oh, which really? is no reason. No wonder he can run so fast. He just looks tiny. And he's, um, I'm pretty sure, bases himself uh, either at or very close to Tanya Pora. So okay. well used to the heat. Patrick Evo was fourth. And Cameron Brown did not put in the trademark Cameron Brown run. He was well, off the bike. He was about eight minutes down. You would have picked him to win it normally, wouldn't you? But mm. I, um, Joe Baxter sent us through a comment that he said just a tough day at the office. Yeah, so you would expect him, as, as you said, to run with probably Frederick Cronenberg and you know, under normal circumstances you'd expect him to beat him um, but you know, he's still coming off Ironman New Zealand but the good thing for Brownie is he should have after that banked enough points for Kona I would have thought so he's going back yeah I, heard, I saw a, heard an interview that he's going back so I mean he did well at Auckland 70.3 and then he's uh, had Ironman New Zealand plus this result uh, so he should uh, I would imagine that should give him enough points to get there mm, mm. we have to see what he does for the rest of his season because we know mm. in his prime Brownie would always go to Ironman Germany and yes. uh, you know and some people always argue maybe that hurt his Kona you know mm. he won Germany one time and often podium there so you, have, you know often people would kind of argue mm. so it'll be interesting to see what his plan moving forward for the rest of this year if, if he's going to because if he's going to go to Kona he still wants to do well doesn't he he got a, I mean he, he could get a top 10 in Kona yeah uh, and that's, that pales in significance what he's done there in the past but anything above a top 5 I think it'd be be tricky but yeah he just in Kona the last few times we've been there he's just been shut out in the swim yeah and as we know in Kona these days um, you can get shut out really early in the race in terms of being a contender for the top three three to five. Yep. But if he had a good steady day at the office and, and was able to put on, you know, a, run. a two a low two fifty run, he'd easily run himself into the top ten. Yeah. yeah. So, so it'd be interesting to see. Hmm. It'd be interesting to see what, what he sees his challenge as, you know, like hmm. you know, like, cause if we look at like a Crowey well, he, last time he went back, he just wasn't, you know, he wasn't of that next level that you need to be to be competitive in, in Kona. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Brownie as he moves forward for the rest of the year. Um, Girls side of things. Did we do second and third? We did, yeah. Uh, Girls uh, side of things. Dee Dee Greaspower took Killed it out. It. Killed it. And I was thinking to myself, God, she must be getting on a bit. 44. 44, because uh, she's, she, I remember watching the early days of Kona coverage and she was, yeah, always over there just slamming it in Kona. Very, very good swimmer. Um, How much are you doing? To, what was the best Kona, do you know? Like off the top of your head? Did she get a uh, podium? Maybe, maybe, no, no, not a podium, but maybe a top 10, something okay. like that. So used to be a top swimmer, um, and it shows here. She swam 51, so only just behind some of the, the guys out of the swim. Yep. Biked 505 and ran 317. It's a pretty balanced day at the office. Apparently she kind of just held off on the run. Mm. Yeah, once she knew she had it. 11-minute victory over Dimity Lee Duke. From great name. Australia. <laughs> and then uh, Kim Schwalbenbauer from the States in third place. And good old Xiao Yi Li from Taipei was in fourth place. She was out here, actually came on a camp in Christchurch a couple of years ago. And she was a uh, hometown hero and was actually the first Taiwanese athlete overall. So fourth female and first Taiwanese athlete. So showed all the boys how to get the job done. So, so the, the pros didn't wear wetsuits, non-wetsuit for the pros, but wetsuit for the age groupers. Right, mm. didn't know that. Yeah. You're full of facts today, Bevan. You know me, I'm, just, you know, I'm always doing my P's. Yeah. You know, just, sorry, I roll. Nice. Um, but yeah, it sounds like a pretty tough day at the office. So well done for everyone who was racing there. It was a kind of a big day at the office. Jombo, the next piece of news we have is Strongman Japan is coming up. This is a classic race. Does it's it not- still get numbers? 
Oh, all races in Japan get numbers, so it's not quite iron distance. It's um, I think I do 155k on the bike um, and a 3k swim, so it's pretty close. But this race has been around forever, and love it when you go to the Japanese websites and stuff, and they haven't updated their logos from from 35, 40 years ago. They've got this real just a picture of a triangle, yeah, really basic right stuff, um, but just a classic race. I think it's on uh, Okinawa, and uh, yeah, that's another cool race. John's ITU update though. John's ITU update, John, Gold Coast, the Gold, GC. The GC. The GC. In New Zealand, we have a TV program called, oh, it was on, oh, that looks lovely right now, doesn't it? The sun's just coming over the mountains. Yeah, it's great podcasting. People can oh, just. Oh, people would just, if you're on your bike right now, just visualise beautiful sun coming over the mountains. It's kind of ready. Snow-capped mountains. Snow-capped, oh, just making your day. John Gwen Jorgensen. She just keeps kicking butt, doesn't she? I used to start giving, I was giving her a harsh time a while ago about her inability on the bike and that she gets dropped all the time. She's she'd always be able to run up. Yeah, she'd always be able to run up. Now she's transformed it where she can, uh, she's coming out with the leaders in the swim now and uh, and holding her own. I even saw her go to the front once or twice on the bike. So wait, she, did she just pretty much put a gap on, she, so she won it by a minute. Did she put a... Oh, they had a breakaway out of the, the, out of the swim and a, a, a reasonably small group, I can't remember how many it was, maybe about eight or so, six or eight got away on the bike and she was part of that group and uh, just crushed it. I mean, she would have... She can run herself into the win from any position. You know, she can be three minutes down and probably still um, just about win. But the fact when you're in the breakaway and the only other people who are remotely close to you are in the you know in the second group, so it's just there's, there's, I can't see any other unless it's an incredibly difficult bike course. But you'd say that Auckland was a really difficult bike course, and she managed to hang with them there. There's absolutely no way anybody can beat her. America ABC one two three. Nice. America took it out. They are, Dominating they it. really are, aren't they? Plus, they also had a girl in eighth and another girl in 14th. So, the Americans uh, on the female side are really starting to. to are we get to that point where they take out all three? Has any country taken all three medals in the yes. Olympic Games? Uh, not in the Olympics, but the Aussies did it in the girls at a world championship once. They got one, two, three, I think maybe in Montreal. I can't remember what year that was, but I think it was... Is uh, it, is that potentially, could the Americans take out gold, silver and bronze? I wouldn't expect that, no. Those okay. girls are, are good, but there's probably another Couple of five or six girls who are okay. equally as good. So okay, and I don't know much about it. Gwen Jorgensen, uh, you would bank your house on her winning basically every race this season. It's wow. just, unless she But as you said a couple of weeks ago, it's going to be really interesting to think about... Um, or to watch her because as you say it seems to be in the female side of things you'll get a girl who will dominate just for a very short period of time it's not like you Absolutely. know, like the Brownleys have been dominating for quite a few years now mm. um, you know and Gomez you know but yep. whereas the girls yep. it's kind of you get one girl who gets a year at it and the next girl comes along and totally so this girls you know we had uh, again I was talking about one of the Canadians um, a little while ago Paula Finlay a few years ago she won like three or four races in a row just absolutely crushing it mm. and you're going bloody hell who's going to beat her and she hasn't done anything since, and there's been a number of others. So you're right, on the girls' side of things, there seems to be the girls who come and go pretty quickly. And so a few years ago, I would have said the same about Andrea Hewitt. You know, she's maybe a bit of a fading star, you yeah. know, but, but she's, um, she's hold on, eh? going great. I mean, she was the best. She was in the second pack, and she was the be- second best runner behind um, Gwen Jorgensen. So she's having a great start to the season. So, Is that yes. Andrea? Do you know? Uh, I think she's 34. 
four, maybe. Yeah, so she's long, pretty long and two for this level mm. of the sport, isn't it? So mm. keep it up. Go, Andrea. Yeah. So we had uh, Sarah True, who used to be Sarah Goff and Groff in second place, and Katie Zaveris in third, and then good old Kiwi Andrea Hewitt just sneaking in for fourth place. Okay, the guy side of things, it's good old Jonathan Brown, and he took it out. Pretty uh, close race? No, it was an impressive performance. Really? They had a breakaway on the bike, a uh, four-man breakaway, and there was uh, Brownlee and... Uh, the good swimmer from over in Europe somewhere, Varga, um, Richard Varga, and then two Russians. One of them crashed and almost took out Brownlee in the oh, process. Really? Oh. But they had a bat. They just had to do a four-up TT with Brownlee and Varga doing the lion's share of the work. And you could see, and they were getting caught, and they pulled away to a minute, and then the pack slowly started to reel them in. At the end of the bike, they only had about 30 seconds. So Brownlee did a massive amount of work on the bike and then still uh, held on for basically equal, equal fastest run split. So very, very dominating impressive performance so you look at the results and he was only, sat by himself on the run the whole time was he yeah only won by 20, 20 odd seconds but that was pretty damn impressive that's awesome eh? like, you, like when you're in the lead and you've got you know these guys a pack behind you chasing you and 20 seconds is nothing isn't it you know mm. they're just up the road mm. like uh, it, that's quite an exciting race isn't it yeah and he was saying in his, in his post race sort of comments you know Oh, I was pretty worried at the start of the bike. You know, there's only four of us, and I was going to be sort of going, "We're going to go for it," but this doesn't look particularly good. And then once you committed, they were committed for 40k's, and they just had to go for it. So, very impressive. It's cool to see that in these ITU races at the moment, they are getting breakaways and they are sticking, both yep. in the guys and the girls. They're putting a lot more U-turns in the courses, and that seems to be stringing things out a lot more. So, you know, multi-lap, but not just doing circular, you know, laps. They're actually putting in plenty of u-turns and that's you know so what break, is it, breaking what is up it the chase break it up well it's helping to the, the chase does not get quite as well organized okay. and so if you've got a small breakaway they can be pretty much boom we're straight out of this turn and get back into your work whereas if you've got a pack of 20 slows behind it slows down people get strung out the back and it just um breaks that chase up a bit so good to see that they've uh, added that in because in the gold coast in the past they have done just sort of an out and just a very looped course and things stay together so good work brownlee very impressed and as i've said in the past the the guys the spanish are dominating the girls are crushing on the 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 girls side of things funnily enough (laughs) and then on the boys side you've got the brownlees and then the spanish going two three four so they're looking pretty impressive plus they had seventh as well What's the next race? Next race is in uh, Gold Coast. Not Gold Coast, they've just been Gold so Coast. So they're going back it's, next week. Going back next week. They are coming it's up cheaper. to South Africa. One thing they did do in, in the Gold Coast this year, apparently they had a minute silence for Jackie Gallagher, oh, nice. which was cool. And yeah. then I did also see some uh, a snap of, I think they had a bike rack for her. So they, they reserved, I think, number one for Jackie oh, Gallagher. That's um, nice. So nice little... Fitting tribute. Yeah, yeah, because Farah, she, she gave a lot back to the sport as well, didn't she? And I'm pretty sure she was one of those in the, the top three when the Aussies took gold, silver, bronze at the world champs. I think it might have been her, Emma Carney, and maybe Loretta Harrop. That's maybe. a good memory, mate. Yeah. Like, it might not be actual true, but it's a good memory. <laughs> Call it factual. I am talk factual. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> what you're saying, we've got no credibility. Yeah. Uh, John Bowes, Minister, I met, I met, did you get a free entry to the race, did you? Look, <laughs> 
I've got a special <laughs> offer for our <laughs> listeners to join. So John, John has done well, but I'm assuming he probably asked for a free entry. And he, I'm, I'm assuming he got one. Hey, good work, because he's got a free entry for you guys as well. So for the Auckland hey. ASB, Auckland Marathon, we've got a free entry to give away, valued $150. So what John wants, he's got a little kind of scheme we're going to do. So what's the scheme, John? So I'm gonna, I'll am gonna i do a post on Facebook this week um, in a couple of days. Excuse me. Oh, you're right. And basically... You've got, you can nominate yourself, or you can nominate someone else if you want to, I suppose. Yeah. But um, so nominate yourself. Altruistic. And, and all you've got to do is say what you're going to do for the sport in your area or any area this year on a voluntary basis. So I want to give a little bit back oh, to nice. the people that are actually giving something to the sport. We had a race down here at the weekend, um, part of the, the tri-series. It was a duathlon. Oh, and, and again, they're just, they were just struggling to get anybody to volunteer to marshal and things like that. It's just painful from a race organiser's point of view so if you're somebody who's time poor now but like it's funny hey, people don't want to give up their time to help out nowadays oh totally you know and, and, and i don't know if it's necessarily a selfish thing maybe it's just the world we live in we're a bit more time poor but it is you know like it is that it is, can be a struggle mm. I, I, and the, the guy who, who was um the race director on the day he was over in ironman melbourne i think it was and uh, i think he might have been manning the the transition or something yeah. or transition director he said they had a 50% no show for volunteers yeah. in that race so wow. and that makes things pretty challenging well so. that's pretty interesting so they must I, I never thought about the no show factor they must have to you know plan for that you know mm. maybe not 50% but you know they must expect maybe 25% people not to turn up absolutely yeah, so it's a, it's a real challenge, especially when you're dealing with, you know, for, for my races, I might have 20 or so, 30 yeah. marshals, and you can kind of, you how know them. And you like can, how many do you think you need for an Ironman? Oh, Kona, I think they have, um, it's thousands. Wow. Okay, we've, we've asked them that before. I'd, yeah. Well, you think I of think, that, that post-party race. Mm. I mean, that post-race party for the helpers. Mm. It's the same as what pretty much they had the day before. I, I think have they have more, volunteer, more, more volunteers than they have athletes, I'm pretty wow. sure. So it's, it's thousands, it's not hundreds, it's thousands. Wow. So anyway, um, if you want to come do the Auckland Marathon, uh, valued, as Bevan said, 150 bucks, ASB Auckland Marathon. And now can they, is it just a marathon entry or can they then choose to do the half? I or? didn't ask that question, but I'm pretty sure they'll be up to... No, we'll go over the marathon. You've yeah. got to line up on the start okay, yeah, line with me. Right. You've got, you got, got to do, do the marathon. You've got to line up next to Jumbo. Yeah, so you can drop it. you straight away. It, for anybody overseas, <laughs> uh, maybe in Aussie, it is a really cool marathon. It is in November. I think it's November the 1st. It's around about that date. You can check the website. But it's a really cool course. Uh, you know, got a few hills. Go really downtown race. Easy because you can fly in. You just go downtown. Is, is for it last weekend of October? It could be. It's, it's yeah. like the, it's either October thirty first or November first. Yeah. You're on the website now, are you? I'm pulling it up right now. Anyway, two hundred one days to go. It's really easy. You just go in and you can get a, you get a ferry across the start line. It's a point to point race and really scenic. It's a good one. It's what I love one. about the website, John, I have to show you this. Wait a second. It's now run by WTC as well. Yeah, it's so by them. I should get some points. That girl doesn't look that happy. <laughs> I've got the photo of the, everyone looking happy, but the main girl looks peed off to be taking the photo yeah. of right now. So, so just got to post what you're going to do for the sport in your area, and then we'll narrow that down to five people who we like the look of what they're doing, and then it'll just be a random draw from there. Oh, it's first of November. And we will do that in, say, a month's time. So get on it. Okay. Um, sponsor. Jumbo, oh, we had to pause for a second then. We had a bit of a technical error, but sponsor. Athlinks.com. Okay, so Jumbo, Athlinks.com, you're just telling me then. Athlinks.com. Are involved with the Spartan races. So Athlinks.com, you know, we, we talk about these guys every week. You guys know who they are, but they're actually some kind of involved. I'm not quite sure exactly what their involvement is, but they are 
And now, if you haven't heard of Spartan, where have you been? Exactly. So there's <laughs> races all over the States, and these are more... In New Zealand, we had the Krypton fact, and we've talked about this before. Oh, here we go, Oops. bring out the Krypton <laughs> <Not>, fact. <laughs> uh, we won't go on that again. Basically, they're, they're, they're obstacle courses, um, and, and you climb over ropes, you run through mud, you climb over really challenging mountains, etc. They vary in distances. They have um, these, The guys at Spartan have sprint races, they have super races, or they have beast races. And uh, so the beasts, uh, they have 25 obstacles and they're 12 miles long. The Spartan Super Races are 8 miles long and they have 20 obstacles. And the Spartan Sprints are 3 miles long and they have 15 obstacles. And um, man, this, you go onto their homepage and there's some funky pictures. You know, the guy, these guys are climbing over ropes, over rivers. It's a real, like it would just be an awesome experience. And I think the thing for us triathletes is we're so bloody fit. Although you probably need a bit of strength work. You do need and a bit some of functional unbody. training around something like this. But yeah. Um, but it, yeah, like it's just, it'd just be a really fun thing to do, wouldn't it? And it's not something you're probably going to do all the time, every year for us triathletes. But if you're looking for just a little bit of a different challenge, um, maybe at the start of your season or looking for something at the end of the season, um, it's a bit of an equaliser as well, you know. If, if, yeah. Because um, we think we're the shitty Benetti, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> we think we're the fittest guys in town. Exactly. Especially cardio fitness. And what do you know? You turn up and some living 50-year-old lady's beating you. <laughs> Once you're throwing a bit of skill, that's why people often ask me about coast to coast in New Zealand and how'd you go, how would you go on that? And I was like... Don't think I'd actually do very well. Yeah. It takes a bit of skill in some of those events. So check this out, spartan.com, and uh, just for something a slightly different challenge. One, The other thing I will say about Athlinks as well is it's such a good tool. Oh, oh, oh. oh, oh Bevan. You got Spartan's taking over. They're taking over your computer. Um, if you've got someone new in your area and you want to just suss them out, you think they, they maybe they think they're the shitty Benitti, um, go on to Athlinks. It's just the best way to quickly find out how quick somebody is. If you're in Hawaii, you, you can do a Spartan in the stadium. Nice. they got the stadium sprint. Nice. You go into the big Hawaii, you know the stadium in, in Honolulu? They no, I don't one, actually. One. Oh. No. Well, you can, do the, you can do the race in there. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. So check out spartan.com as well as athlinks.com for sussing out the new people in your neighbourhood. And they've got kids races as well. There you go. New people in your neighbourhood. Okay, Jombo, discussion of the week. Okay, last week's discussion of the week. Paul Silky Smooth Williams sent through a question that led us to this week's discussion. Here's the question. Would racing for your country at the regional championships make any difference for you? Or is there anything WTC or other organisations could do to make racing for your country more of a big deal? Or should they not do anything? This was, it was a few weeks ago. Christine McKinley, I think the biggest draw for people would be a funky uniform with your name plastered across it. It's human nature for people to like to be part of the tribe. The tribe being your country mates racing in the same uniform. Other than that, I don't think people care too much. Well, Paul Smoky, Silky Smooth Williams sent me through an email and he just said, as an Aussie, if I was to race in our regional championships or any other for that fact, uh, the only regional champs in the name for the age group is anyway. Uh, as there is no qualification for age group for regional championships, I wouldn't feel that I was representing my country, especially if I was racing Ironman in Melbourne uh, with 2,000 other Australians. If, however, I did race in Kona, I would feel that I was somewhat representing my country and I would be proud to do so. I do think that WTC should promote, encourage national pride, etc., as I don't think national federations would give uh, the love between between or given the love between WHCC and ITU, little things like flag stickers for your helmet, flag tattoos on your arms and calves aren't going to send WHCC broke, but would be promoting the world part of the World Championship of Triathlon. 
Uh, being cynical, maybe they think that it uh, may not look like a true world championship if every second person running past is representing Team USA. Stuart Martin-Lawrence, uh, this would be great. I like having my nationality on my bib. A flag on your leg would also make it cool. As for a UK tri-suit, this would be a nice thing to do. Okay, I'm um, sorry. How, however, on the negative side, the kit for representing GB via ITU is very expensive. This, therefore, will add more cost to the event. That's true. Um, Christopher Doyle, Doyle Try, lower the starter fee to the real world. Nice. Pete Griffins, I agree with Pam. I actually get annoyed watching the Olympics when they turn the event into a country-by-country country medal count. New Zealand always does well. We did pretty camp, well, mate. Yeah, we yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we <laughs> love these things. Uh, this all started in the, when the in the Cold War with East against West and needs to go away. As for racing for my country, while I appreciate the economic opportunities and security I am offered by living in the US as a whole, the country does absolutely nothing to encourage individual <laughs> athletics or even a healthy lifestyle. All initiatives for anything healthy, such as trails, safe cycling, swimming, etc., all happen at, happen at a local level, if at all. You're right there. John's losing <coughs> the plot. When I go to races, I like meeting and learning from people from all over the world. I don't ever want to see triathlon become um, a US against them. Have you have you read um, Lucy Francis one? Because she's got a good one here. Uh, please don't get federations involved. Leave that to the ITU. It becomes too political as it adds extra layers to the selection process for sending people to the World Championships. The draw of Ironman is the solo effort of each athlete. In fact, out there on the course, especially in the marathon, athletes will forge friendships with other regardless of country to push each other on those last few miles to finish. I love that. Hmm. Um, I, I think WTC have been actually doing a pretty reasonable job on this front um, in some regards, I seem to think that maybe you have your country um, flag on your race number. I could be wrong there, but I think that would be um, something easy to do. I don't think at a regional championships, maybe this is necessary because it's not really. But, it, but as Paul was saying, it's, it's not really. No qualification. Yeah, it's not really. But, but at Kona, um, I, I quite liked the fact they had the Aussies and the Kiwis at least had, were, had, had the option to wear um, a, a race kit of your choice um, mm. in our national colours but yeah I think it would be a kind of cool idea if you had your flag on your race number and maybe you could get a tattoo or a sticker or something for your helmet well, it's, it's funny isn't it because I never <coughs> I never tried to qualify for a W. I mean the ITU World Championship in either long course or short course and in my peak I, I would have been able to get there so I've ne I can't say I've ever really raced for New Zealand mm -hmm. and, and not that I you know need to say that but you know I probably would have liked to have at the mm -hmm. time and it, and it would have been you know but I kind of you know to get to Kona is in theory the same thing and if not mm -hmm. harder in some you know some instances um, and I, th I think I would have liked that and mm. and they did make you the WTC when I went over and raced in Kona they did a great job of kind of that New Zealand the people the New Zealand crew did a really great job of making us feel like a team and having these meetings and stuff like that which was really cool um, and so I think I would have liked to have said to the people around me at the time, I'm going to the World Championships to represent New Zealand, even mm. as an age grouper. So, mm. yeah, it's, 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 I think it should be an opt-in thing. Again, if you're just saying, it's one of the things that gets people uh, when you go to ITU Worlds, you do have to stump up a lot of cash yeah. for a uniform. Is it you go, this robbery? Is way, way more than bloody retail. And it's, oh, really? and, and so it's just, yeah. just raping and pillaging? Yeah. yeah. But it's not the National Federation's making it, it's just... Who's making it then? The, the, the brands that, that make things. And it's always, always a cock-up. 
Oh, really? <laughs> you get there, <laughs> you'll get your uniform a day before and the sizing will be all wrong and things like that. So it does open a is bit it, of is can it, of Is it the wedding price situation? They know you'll pay more yeah. just because you have your yeah. wedding. So anyway, you might, I, think, um, I think it's a good, good question and I think they could do a little bit more but I think it should really be an opt-in sort of thing rather than a, a mandatory thing. Mm. Okay, this week's question, John, Bo, is what does a training mate or other athlete do that annoys you the most? That's a good one. <laughs> I'm not sure if we've had this one before, but it's a good one I to don't know if we have. It's been a long time since we have. So when you've got your training buddies out there, what's one thing that a training buddy can do you that can annoy you? Mm. So... Or does it maybe maybe we can expand this? Not necessarily just a training buddy. It could also be your something somebody does. Yeah, your partner. <laughs> your boss. Something somebody does at the pool that really gets on your nerves. So something around your sports training that, that people do that gets on your nerve. Hmm. I don't really have many of these. I was always pretty happy. I got a few. It's <laughs> 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 getting ready. It's going to be a long show next week. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I store them all up though. That's what us introverts do. We store them up. <laughs> that rage inside <laughs> you is burning. They come back to haunt you. I got to have like a guarded area, like a bubble of protection next week as John does this bit. Yeah. Okay, I'm not going to put music on. Let's do this bit. One, two, three. Stats, fantastic. It's fantastic. fantastic. Okay, John, but what's it? Now, a few weeks ago, you you are struggling. Yeah. And the listeners have come through, haven't they? They have, actually. We've got a few things yeah, backed like up. I've now. had quite a few emails over the last few weeks saying, here's some great statistic. So, John, what's this? Well, week a few on? weeks ago, Richard Swans pulled us up on one. As oh, yeah. I, I had the 10,000 metre record, and you started going on about the high jump record. And yeah. I, I don't know where you were getting your oh, stats so from. Fault. You weren't getting I don't know. If I you got were... it from the page where you had the 10,000 metre. Okay, well, maybe we were. I right. went to your link. Anyway. <laughs> okay, so now you just turned me off. Swanee, uh, Swanee came back about the high jump record. The current world best at the moment is uh, two two forty three, and the because we what did I say? I think it's about two forty one or two thirty. I think the world record's two forty five all time. This Cuban dude. This is I'm getting sidetracked here. This Cuban dude. I kind of heard. Where, them, where, where, where are you looking at this? The link that's that I've yeah, got. Yeah, but what, what for? For high jump. High jump. So having a. Stoutemeyer from Cuba. That guy has just crushed the world in high jump. Too. Yeah, where, well, I don't see where you sing his name. Where you sing his name? You got to. You got to go all time. Oh, <coughs> that's where I'm getting. That's where. Heavier Stoutemeyer. Two forty-five is the oh. current world record. He also holds two forty-three and two forty-four. He's got a scattering. Drugs, of names. John. Just drugs. Cubans. Well, wow. it's sixty-seven. Sixty-seven. That's what's even weirder about it. Sixty-seven. Mm. So the like. And the t- wow, so if we look at the world records in the high jump, John, there's been none. So, th- wait a second. 2014, the guy's two centimetres away, Mutaz Issa Bashim from Qatar. You're right there? You're right? Not having a good day. I, I didn't go swimming this morning. It's my problem. Oh, that's your problem. Mm. Uh-huh. Anyway, the high jump world record is two metres 45. What about, what about hurdles? No, we're not. Go- we, no, we'll go back to now. Now we'll go to our triathlon stats now. Oh, can I just do one hurdle? Hurdles, yes. Okay. What do you want, 400 metre or t- – let's look at 400 metres. Okay, don't look. Your prediction, Jombo, what do you reckon the all-time record for 400 metre hurdles? I'll tell you who it is. It was done in 2000 – no, sorry, <laughs> 1992 by Barcelona in Barcelona. An American, Kevin Young's got the record, and he's he's got it by quite a bit. Oh, he's quite a bit. Like, he is point three, point three point about point two five ahead of the next record, and then after that's just point zero one point zero one. I've got absolutely no idea, but I'm going to go. Why don't I do four hundred? Then I'll do about forty. It'd have to be forty 
four or something like that. Okay, so let's not do too many athletic stats. Let's just stick with the hurdles. I oh, know, but we've got to do a comparison, don't we? Uh, yeah. I'm going to say. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Okay, here we go. So the 400 meter is still Michael Johnson. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Was it 44, something like that? 43.18. Yeah. So I would go for the hurdles. That's a gruelling event. That's a gruelling event. Over 400 metres. Because 400 metres, I reckon, is probably the hardest event. Oh, what's the hardest event? But you know what I mean? Like 400 metres has got to be death. 52. No, 46. Jeepers. 8. So he's only three seconds behind. That's impressive. That's unbelievable. <clears throat> Well, it's believable because it's true. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the statistic is supposed to be a one-line feature. Oh, oh the new rule is there. <laughs> it's supposed to be. Okay. Um, who was the first person to run sub three hours oh, in this Kona? Oh, great. And I'm not going to go into this in huge detail because it's a massive article that we'll it's put a great. A, uh, so who, who sent this through to us? Um, Mike? Was it Mike? Mike, Mike the, the Farmer Fox. Fox. Yep. So... It's an article from about, far out, six years ago that Tim Carson wrote on Slow Twitch and it's basically searching for the first person to ever go sub three in the run in Kona. And um, you'd, you'd think it would be Dave Scott. Did you read Scott. the whole thing? Oh, it's a long article. I, I skim read it. Oh, I read it. It was really good. The only disappointing thing about it is at the very end, it seems that the, it, it, it may not be true. Yes. Yeah, because... You know some of the recordings, but the guy who did it, he claims that he did it. So, and yeah. it's in the interview, that's kind of saying, well, he seems like he's a credible character. Yeah. So, um, and he was a pretty good runner. So, anyway, if you uh, basically the, the so you'd think Dave Scott and things like that, but the first sub three hour Ironman time that is seemingly known is by a guy called Joseph Carsbone from. Uh, where was he from? He was from Minnesota. He was, only, he was a young man. He was only like 18, 19. 19, like, yeah. 19 year old community college cross country runner. And his overall time was nothing too flashy. He went uh, 13 hours. And I think he biked seven or eight hours out there. But as Bevan said, this was in the, the old days where there wasn't, um, you know, you didn't have timing chips or anything like that. But he was a good runner. He was running like 120 miles a week in yeah. training. Yeah. And he was the, it was a real deal. And, and that's the only triathlon you ever did. Yeah. Yeah. Never did one again. But yeah, his overall time was 13 hours. So he, he spent a bit of time out there on the bike and a bit of time in the swim. But yeah, it's it's we'll just we'll just put a link up there. But it was just interesting to see. It's a good 81. read. Like, it is a long read. But I tell you what, it's a really good read. It's a great article. It's kind of, yeah, well done, Tim, because it's a great article. So I'll put a link to it on www.iamtalk.com. So that was your stat this week. The first man to break three hours, first person to break three hours in an Ironman, Joseph Kalschbaum. Okay, here's someone for you geeks out there for some research. Who was the first girl to ever break three hours? Which is probably a bit easier because it would be some pro. Mm. Who do you think, John, just off the top of your head? Oh, the easiest guess would be Erin Baker. Oh, Baker. Yeah. In Kona? Uh, don't know, but I don't think it would have been in Kona. We were saying in Kona. Oh, in Kona. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Someone someone find that out for us. Someone do we don't want to do the work. Yeah. Sponsor. Goodness, we're getting through the show this week. Um, it's just going to be a quick one here. We're going to have another Blue 70 Helix up for auction going up John, this week. We're 30 minutes into it. <clears throat> it ain't going to be quick. I've seen your notes for your coach's corner. It's coming like gonna be quick. Get excited. So basically, this is just for America. So if you're about to start your season off, you need a uh, wetsuit. Oh, we get sponsored by Blue Seventy this week. Yep, we got a, we got an extra wetsuit to auction off. But, but we haven't. We didn't say that at the top of the show, John. Oh well. 
Blue 70. Blue, <laughs> the world's best wetsuits. The best wetsuits in the world. This is the new Helix. It oh, is wow. the Shetty Benetti. So Tell us about it, John. If you're going into your new season um, and want to look swish, it's, it's looking even better than, than usual. Um, the, the, the cool thing about the Helix, it gives you, it's their top of the line suit, gives you maximum sort of flexibility through your shoulders. So if you're somebody that really struggles to find a suit that gives you that, this is going to do the business. Um, Dylan McNeese has been wearing it and he's uh, been leading out a number of And he of couldn't swims. even swim before he put well on his own. He was atrocious. He <laughs> was drowning. So, um, yeah, it's just a super, super flexible suit. Got plenty of panels in there, so it gives you that real good um, buoyancy sort of through through your hips, that good lift, um, but gives you maximum flexibility. It's got the reverse zip, so people can't pull your zip down in the swim, which is always handy, uh, and it's just the business. Well, let's be honest, Bruce and have kind of been the leaders in, in triathlon swimming gear for forever mm. and you know there's the experience of research isn't there mm. you know what I mean like these guys have put hundreds and hundreds of hours and, and resource time and money into creating the best products and you know it's just stuff you learn from being around a long time and I'm sure that you know each kind of extension of their products is just that kind of that extra 10% better than the previous one and so if you are looking for that kind of if you know you are that person who wants the best gear possible, you can't go wrong with the Helix, eh? And you're going to get it at a good deal. So it always comes out um, below retail price. So these suits are going like hotcakes. So get your hands on it. We'll have a link up on. So the for website. those who don't know, so every month on our other show, which is Legends of Triathlon, Tanya every two months, Tanya Pura, Tanya Pura, yeah, that's right. Uh, we we auction off a wetsuit, and often people can get it a lot below retail, and uh, and yeah, and so we're going to do that on I Am Talk this month. So. Now, normal retail is, is it US, 849? I think that's New Zealand. Okay, so New Zealand, 849. So US, you're probably looking at about 650, I think, okay. normally. Yeah, great. So, um, very, very good. I was going to go lots about the suit, but I think you've done a good job, John. Thanks. It's got aqua cuffs. Cool. Yeah, cuffs, cuffs. cuffs. That is good. I used to have. Oh, I see. See. You go. See. I've got my little cuffs on my jersey here. Yeah. And they just suck it in around the um, around your cuffs, so you don't get that water going up your arms. It's also it's a real pain. Forearms. Nice. Yep. Knee flex panels. Nice. Single seam tube legs. So it's, it's got it all, John. You should be a rep for Blue Seventy, Bevan. Tell you, bring it on. Right up. Uh, Blue Seventy dot com. Oh, I'm all over the place. Blue Seventy dot com. John, I'm going to put some music on. Here we go. Coaches Corner. The world is turning to mustard and crushes right now, team. It's, is that hail? Can you see hail? I think so. <laughs> nice. Our, our view of the mountains is disappearing. <laughs> There's no mountains anymore. <laughs> dark grey clouds roll across the city. <laughs> if you're riding in the sun right now, just be happy to be where you are. If you're commuting to work in Christchurch, it's not going to be a happy place today. Okay, John, but we've got a question here. Not sure how often or whether you've covered this news bees to power meter, but it's been a very, very long, steep learning curve for me. Who sent this through, John? Well, that's why I was going to give a bit of context here. Did you stop stealing my show here? Okay, sorry. So um, let's just call her Annette, shall we? Okay. This, this week's uh, submitter. And it's a question. Is it Annette? Did I know? Yes. Yes. Yeah. She just got a power meter. Oh, really? Really? And she's going, oh, she's been a triathlete for shit. Well, this is the thing. Uh, we'll do a bit of a profile here, and this is where Athlinks is wonderful. You go into Athlinks, she's yes. 54 years old. Wow, young. And she's had 71 races, plenty of experience. I heard she's got Kona. 
Garnacona. Yeah. Um, 12.44 Ironman time. So I'm just trying to give you a context of well, is this, is this speed. standard Ironman time? Or is it uh, a that's best? the best, according okay. to athletes. 12.44.44. Nice. Um, pulls out an Olympic in 2.38. 10K around 51. 2.38 for an Olympic. Yep. That's pretty sharp. And a marathon four twenty eight, and yeah, so that's just sort of give a bit of context around this question. It's a really sort of should I get a power meter question? Um, is it suitable for me if I'm so? She's a, going. I'm not super super fast, like as mm. an eight hour kind of nine nine hour guy, yeah, or girl. Um, so you know, is it worth me investing in? Or well, our power meter is just for the the for elite. It's oh, so oh, snowing, John. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you might get trapped here. <laughs> Goodness me. Oh, man. We were swimming at the beach a couple of days ago. <laughs> <laughs> this is ridiculous. Winter has arrived. Anyway, back to Anyway, it. so Annette was really, she's got a power meter, she's got a power meter, and she's saying, um, have we done anything before? And she's finding it a very, very steep learning curve and quite disheartening at the start because compared to the figures that get banded around on, other, on podcasts, uh, profiles, my figures are just way off, yeah. uh, and I'm just wondering. I think it's an important thing for, for like it's one thing we talk about with our runners is comparison can actually be a dangerous thing at times mm. and it's really important when we think about comparison because the problem with comparison is that it's, it has nothing to do with your ability. Mm. It's just you're looking at other people and often we, we compare ourselves to people who are above our standard or well above our standard and that can have an emotional effect on our esteem and can actually become a limiter because we think we're not good enough for that reason and I'm sure you're going to go into this but you know it's always really important when you're ever going to do any growth in any area of your life is you've got to test yourself first and to know that's my start point mm. and then my my testing of my progress goes back to that test from the start point it's such an important kind of thing to always remind yourself of and this is such a fantastic thing with power meters because it's just real numbers like if, if we do that in, in your example there is a is a, a 16k time trial conditions and all that sort yeah. of course and all that can have so many different things going on so your time might not improve but with a power meter you can get some real numbers and actually see whether you're making an improvement uh, so it's fantastic okay so John but what I'm going to do is I'm going to do John Campbell because he's losing yes. his job so I'm going to do John Campbell yeah. I'm going to do the interview for here for you okay so Jonbo who and why should someone get a why and who should get a power meter? So I've split this into two. Uh, I thought maybe who should not get one first. Okay, so who should not get one? Um, if you're not particularly interested in numbers and you're just happy with the way you do things and you're a bit of a free spirit when you're out there training and you don't want to make it too structured, probably not going to find a huge amount of use for power meters. Heart rate monitors are a fantastic example of this. So many people who have I've who have I've had come to see me over the years. You say, "Have you got any heart rates? Have you got a heart rate monitor?" Yep. Have you done anything with it? No, I just put it on and wear it when I go out training, and it's been of no benefit other than going, "Oh, my heart rate's 154. That's interesting." Mm. So if you're not really into numbers, um, and if you haven't got a coach or something like that, then and you're not just just thinking. Just going to get one to join the crowd. Probably not going to be of a great amount of benefit to you. Um, if you haven't got a coach or somebody in your sort of community that can help you in those first few stages, it makes it more challenging. There's a massive amount of information out on the net and stuff now, so you can self-educate yourself. But it's a hell of a lot easier if you have got a coach. Well, that's or the problem. Is that often with like in any area on the internet, if you're trying to educate yourself. You, you just get lost in education, mm. you know, because there's often too much or it's all, there's contradictory kind of thoughts and it can just become a bit of a pain in the butt. It can. Um, I think Joe Friel's book is a great one to get, you know, if you just have one resource, his sort of uh, 
power meters 101 or whatever it was called is just a sort of one-stop shop talk, walking your way through the the things you really need to know not all the stuff that you would like to know versus say you know Coggin or um or um bloody hell man it's, it's really packing under christ <laughs> <world is ending. laughs> uh, some of those books go into the the real science and they can blow your socks off um also if you do the vast majority of your training in groups, um, so group rides, group interval sessions where you're often drafting or lapping it out and you, you're not going to get a massive amount out of train, uh, power meter because your effort's going to be fluctuating so much. So you need to be doing a fair amount of individual training for your intervals. Um, and yeah, if you're just not somebody who's really into structured workouts, then it's not going to be uh, as valuable as somebody who likes going out there and doing right today I'm doing four by ten minutes sort of workouts if you're just somebody who just likes to get out there and just ride and run and just like going in the hills and just training by feel then again probably not going to get quite as much out of it the ones who I think will get the most out of getting a power meter if you've if you consistently run poorly or you fade badly in races um, chances are you're not yeah you're just not racing uh you're going out too hard and that's where a power meter can come into its own really, really well. Also for those that um, struggle to push themselves on the bike and training, you know, you just feel like you're often out there and just battling away. And you well, because it can become a motivational tool, can't it? You absolutely. Know, if you know that I've got to sit within this zone and my number is, I don't know, let's just say 240 watts, I, you know, if you've got that in front of you and you see that, it, it can be a carrot to kind of make you work harder, eh? Man, a massive difference in my bike training really? in terms of being able to push yourself. Massive difference. So uh, if you're someone who does struggle, I think it'll make a really big change. And I guess the, the final couple of points, if you struggle with your indoor training, um, you know, we've, we've got guys from Trainer Road on a little bit later, and you can do virtual power with that. But again, if indoor training, it revolutionises your indoor training when you've got some more numbers to, to stick to. Rather than going, right, I'm doing five by five minutes hard and just trying to push yourself, you go, I'm going to do five by five minutes, I'm going to try to stick at 175 watts or whatever that number might mm. be. Again, it's just that carrot you want, you've got um, sitting in front of you. So if you're struggling with your bike training to push yourself, it can be a really good tool. Okay, so then the next question becomes, how much do I really need to understand to just kind of get some, like obviously there's going to be a hardcore level of understanding, but you know, what's the basic level I need? It's, I find sometimes find this question a bit hard because I know a fair amount, yeah. but there's a lot of people out there that know massive amounts more that, than I do. It's, you can keep it pretty simple. Um, the main thing that you've got to do is set up your zones, which is usually based off FTP, which yep. is one term that you need to, to understand functional threshold power, which is sort of an estimation of your your one-hour one hour, um, yeah. effort. So you need to try to get a number that's you know, right for you based off some testing. So you need to – and that will set you up some, some zones. So once you've got those zones set up, then you've got you – know, you can go out and do your intervals and stuff. So you don't need to know – heaps and heaps about all the different things that pure cyclists go into and you know fade percentage this percentage that I mean the main things you need to do is set up your zones sort of five or six training zones and then you use that for your training and then you've got some numbers for your racing a lot of all the other percentage based things yes they are really valuable but you probably don't need to go into them in huge detail so um, the main things you do is you get your um, you need to get some tra some time trial data both anaerobic and aerobic so the usual way of doing that is you go and do a 
20 minute or 25 minute or a 16k or 10 mile time trial and use that as your standard sort of test for your anaerobic um, capacity and then you need to have some aerobic capacity if we're talking Ironman athletes as well so going out and doing sort of two or three hours at your Ironman race effort and sort of see what's going on there and those would be your two sort of basic tests um, that you can use to see whether you're actually making any progress and then you need some race data so Annette specifically she's only had a power meter for a couple of weeks and she did a time trial and she got um, some numbers based off that but then she went out and did a, a, a race and was able to achieve much higher numbers in her race so you need to have that race data from when you run well off the bike and once you've got that you can go okay I know that in a Olympic triathlon I can hold 200 watts and run quite well off the bike yeah. you can look at your time trial data from training and you can go right for a for a, 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 a in my FTP estimation is say 220 watts and then you can set your zones based off that training peaks does a fantastic job of this um, so once you've got that estimated FTP number you can plug that in and it just creates all your zones for you so, so just on this you, you need to, I know you're going to talk about race to power um, when you are right like for like I know for like when we depict the experienced pros, some of them will use power meters and some of them will still just go feel. Mm. What would be your recommendation for someone like Annette who's a little bit newer to it for um, racing? For racing, it depends on the course a little bit. If it's a flat course, um, it's pretty pretty easy. You basically give yourself a range. Um, so you'd have a number you don't really want to cross over <coughs> and, a, and a sort of range you want to hover within. So let's say, let's say you're... Um, yeah, you might have a 20 watt range, so you might say, I'm going to do um, an Ironman and my range is going to be between 200 and 220 watts and you hover somewhere in the middle there. So if you're having a fantastic day and you're feeling really good, you might have to limit yourself and go, right, come on, let's just slow down, I'm going to keep it below this 220 mark. Um, if you're having a, a crappier day, you might need to push yourself a little bit to stay above 200, so you give yourself a range. So in, in Kona, for example, um, I had sort of this number I wanted to be be around about the 235 watt mark on a, on a hillier course you know you've got to have an upper range for your for your climbing and um and a lower range that you don't want to go under but i just was keeping an eye that i wanted my my average when i was on a fairly flat section to be you know between sort of 220 and 240 so i was aiming pitching for about about the 235 mark um so i've totally lost my train of thought now uh, just racing to power racing to power and so the question yeah, was: You won't have an exact number. You won't have an exact number that you're going to sort of uh, go after. But how much do you need to understand? You, you you don't need to go to the nth degree. You need to basically set up some zones, give yourself a range for racing, and then make sure you don't exceed that. So you have a ceiling number that you won't cross over. And you are saying for newer people, it is a good. You, so you're talking about flat versus hilly courses. Um, mm. <clears throat> what gains can I expect when I'm using a power meter, and how quickly? Uh, nothing will change real quickly if you've, if you've got a power meter. I mean, uh, you see all these numbers flashing in front of you, you've got all this data, but it's not going to mean you go from a 12.44 Ironman for, for a net to, to breaking 12 hours overnight. Um, for, for the guys that have terrible issues exploding on the run, it could make a massive difference to yep. your finish time real quickly. Yeah, because your, if you don't explode. Yeah, your, yeah. your, your bike time might uh, might not improve very much or it might go backwards a bit, but your Can run time might yeah. improve by 45 minutes, for example. So those people could expect to see big gains 
for the people, you know, Annette's been training for quite a while, um, been nice and consistent. Where she's probably going to see the the big difference is um, her her ability to push herself a bit harder on the bike, and that's not going to transfer across to races um, immediately. But now she can go out and go right. In the past, I've done these ten minute intervals by feel or by heart rate. Now I've got a number that's going to push me, um, potentially push me a little bit harder. And so you know, over six or nine months, then I might just start to see the the gains further down the track. So well, the ones that are going to get the, the big gains quickly are the ones that have poor race execution. The ones that have been consistent over many years, they're going to have to wait and just get knuckled knuckled down and doing some harder bike training, and uh, and they're probably going to see the results further. Well, down I think the track. one thing that you haven't really acknowledged here is that also the feedback you can give your coaches. So you mm. know, like if you've if, you know, if you're going out there and you've now got this tool and it, that is being a good motivational tool for you, so you're finding there's a higher level of quality training that's happening, but also your coach can see exactly your whole workout. And so oh. if you are working with an individual coach, they'll have a look at your files and they'll be able to see where they need to tweak things so they can give you proper gains. You know, whereas if you're not using that, how does the coach really know what you're doing oh. other than telling you what you feel? It makes a massive difference. <laughs> it's... Um I don't make it mandatory for people that I deal with now, but I say if you get a power meter, it's going to make I'm going to be able to do a much better job. <laughs> so again, another example: the other you know, yesterday, I was looking at someone's files, and I, you know, he was doing some one or two minute reps, and I said, "Come on, you're not quite doing them hard enough." Whereas yeah. in the past, he'd be going, "Oh, I was killing Almost, it," you know, yeah. I was absolutely smoking. I did really, really well. I'm going, "Yeah, you did." but you probably should be going a little yeah, bit harder. Yeah, well, because <laughs> perceived exertions can be, so many factors can affect perceived exertion, whereas if you're just seeing a number that's factual, you can then, you know, you can give them that hard coach's call, can't you? Mm, mm. <clears throat> okay, next question. Uh, what? How do newbies cope with the pretty depressing re- readings at, at the start? Um, this, you just got to have your own personal bests, and this is the great thing about power is you can you can see your progress. So, when I was doing my Kona training, um, you know, I, I had my starting figure when I first started out, pretty much on day one, and I think I, from memory, you know, when I did a, a time trial, I think it was. I think I started at 299 watts I think on my first time trial that I did and then by the time I got to Kona I was up to 335 nice. and so you know, I didn't set a, a PB each time I went out there but, but I saw. could see the trend heading in the right direction so um, yeah those numbers you've just got to have your own numbers so uh, Annette you know, she was worried that her numbers were, were crap and I said so much of it comes down to to gender, um, to, to size, you know, and it's a, a small small um, athlete as well. So don't, I mean, it, it, you always are going to look at other people's numbers, but just worry about your own. If I looked at pro cyclist numbers, I'd get equally depressed. Magnus Backstead, when we interviewed him <laughs> over in Kona, his number was like 450 watts FTP or something ridiculous yeah. like that, and mine's 300, and I'm going, you're in my age group. <laughs> and, and so, yeah, you just got to... Get your numbers, get that you know, that sort of uh, twenty minute time trial for yourself or sixteen k time trial, and then just go about improving that. And that's something I try to instill in kids as well. We have our first soccer training this Friday, and you know, Coach, the, Coach John, Coach John's back in the house. <coughs> you're, coaching on, you're training on Friday. Uh, I'm going to put training on Friday. Yep, games on Saturday. Wow. Yeah, get them in the zone, ready yeah. for. The, but this year, you know, I'm going to set up a bunch of. <coughs> personal challenges for them you know and we're going to have like a, a standardised dribbling course that they do and they'll take to get their time for that yep. and then you might be first but I don't care if you don't impr- you know it's all about you oh, trying to improve you your time. time you see that, that tone to your team yeah. I don't care I d- well, you might be I fast you got to improve you got to improve you smack them around the head oh, oh you're yeah. crap yeah 20 press ups yeah, yeah. So, what a press up is. I think to sum all this up you know Annette is 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 your typical 
yeah. middle, middle of the pack sort of athlete, 12, 12 to 13 hour athlete. That's, so the, that's, the, that's the, you know, from 11 to 13 is kind of the big field, isn't it? Yeah, and if you think that a power meter is not right for you, it is for, for a lot of people, but you need to be prepared to invest a bit of time into it. If, you if you've got a coach, it's going to make life a hell of a lot easier. You need to be using training peaks um, or, or something similar so you can actually look at your data. It's not as complicated as it may, may seem. You've just got to set, once you've got that F- estimated FTP from some testing and from some, some race data, then you can set your zones and then you can go about you know using things like train a road and stuff and you can actually go out there and, Eight out of ten, or nine out of ten people that get a power meter, are going to find that they can push themselves a lot harder on the bike, and ultimately, that's probably what's going to make you a little bit better. Yeah, and at the end of the day, you can make wiser athletic decisions, and that, that mm. leads to better performance. So, okay, John, love your work there. Sponsor leading in quite nicely. So we've got Chad from Trainer Road, and they've um, that is you know all the stuff on Trainer Road flows into nicely to that last topic it's all around power so if you once you've got that ftp number for your estimated ftp you can use trainer road and it's got all these different workouts that you can do and uh i can assure you you'll be pushing yourself a little bit harder than you have in the past okay here's chad cool right trainer road have got some new developments happening and we've got it's all developing john i know just developing about, news they're developers <laughs> uh, we've got chad from trainer road back on he's the the head coach and in charge of developing a bunch of the the workouts and training plans etc so welcome back along chad Thanks for having me. So maybe tell us a bit. Of, you know, we, we talked to um, Jonathan a while back about the, the new plans that you had, um, sort of more of the, the, the general plans. But how did you in the past, um, you had some try plans in the past. So maybe contrast what you've done now sure. versus what you've done in the past. Sure. In the past, we had a single half-distance triathlon, which we, we gave our subscribers a way that they could kind of up modify it for full distance and down modify it for Olympic or maybe even sprint. But it was more of a, a, a cyclist's approach to triathlon training. So it definitely favored the cycling. Didn't exactly accommodate the run and the swim training as well as the new ones do. Um, the, the weeks didn't ramp as well as they could have. Uh, there was just a lot about it that was, I, I won't say poorly done, but definitely not as effectively addressed. Nice. So, so this time around, you've got sprint, Olympic, um, half full, full. you've got the, the full range. Correct, yep. And um, how do you sort of, have you gone about sort of structuring um, the weeks? You know, like do we see a, you know, a, a tempo session, a really intense session, an endurance yeah. session? How, how does sort of the weeks get structured? Yeah. Typically, I, I try to do a, a you know, a, for lack of a better description, a breakthrough workout in each discipline once per week, uh, every other week in most plans contains a brick workout. Um, and then each of them leave time, time for a long workout. Um, what we can work in beyond that relates more to the specialty. Um, in which case, you know, like for instance, a sprint, the sprint distance plan will incorporate more VO2 max work than say the, uh, full distance plan will. So, so those, uh, additional workouts, not the long and not the, uh, will, will, uh, more target the type of specialty. Nice, um, and people always ask, you know, what, what sort of duration are, are for, for the newbies who haven't um, even tried Trainer Road before? What are the sort of durations of most workouts? Yeah, that's a. Uh, typically, we try to stick within that sixty to ninety minute window because indoor workouts any longer than that become 
a bit monotonous and uh, kind of a big bite for a lot of people. Um, it, with the except, or the, the the half distance and the full distance plans are a bit of an exception, in that we'll run the workouts up to as long as five hours, and then you know five hours indoors equates to oftentimes substantially longer outdoors. And then with those longer rides, understanding how difficult it is to spend that much time indoors on a bike when you have the option of riding outdoors, I also make suggestions. You know, if you're going to do this outdoors, accommodate or, or take into account the fact that the training won't be you know, quite as effective on the road due to interruptions. So maybe make a four-hour ride, a four-and-a-half-hour ride, et cetera. Nice. Um, and I guess uh, and maybe if you can go over virtual power for us again because sure. um, it's a question we often – get uh, and people sometimes struggle to grasp it a little bit because yeah, um, I've, I've got a wahoo kicker and a lot of other people have power meters but one of the questions <laughs> we're actually covering on this week's show is um is uh, you know for, for people who haven't got power meters and are considering getting them so maybe maybe talk us through how virtual power works again for people that don't have a power meter but they have a trainer absolutely yeah, so as long as you have a, an, an, Ant Blue, an Ant Plus or a Bluetooth device, as long as you can transmit your speed data to uh, you know, whatever device you're using, whether it's your iPhone or your iPad or your computer, um, we can translate based on the manufacturer's speed-to-power curve roughly what sort of watts you're putting out. And those curves don't change from trainer to trainer. So once you've selected a curve or selected a trainer, chosen your curve, um, then, then the from there, whether or not you know it's actually true to outdoor wattage, the workouts remain consistent. But basically, it's a it's a trainer speed to power conversion. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, and what else we got? Anything else exciting coming up for Trainer Road over the next little period, other than these um, specific workouts? Yeah, yeah. Like I said, we're gearing up for the ADC challenge, so that'll that'll coincide with the tour of California. So eight days. Eight workouts roughly resemble the courses that the pros will be doing. Um, obviously, a lot shorter. Not too many people can dedicate <laughs> six or seven hours a day riding a bike for eight days in a row, nor can they handle it. Um, and then uh, the mountain bike plans are wrapping up. So I'm just about done with uh, cross-country Olympic, cross-country marathon, and a gravity uh, training plan for each of those. And then after that, we're, or I'm on to the century plans. Like as a coach, chair, do you love the kind of the fact you can kind of explore these kind of new areas and kind of oh, absolutely do it, yeah, yeah. I'm sure it's kind of exciting and challenging for you in, in lots of ways. Also, because it is kind of a, a generalized product. That, but yeah, how do I get the most out of that for everyone using it? Eh? Exactly, yeah. And like I said, I mean, my triathlon experience doesn't even close to rival my road experience. So this has been a a big learning experience. I mean, I've got a bit of personal experience to draw from, but for the most part, this has been uh, new territory. Nice. So, guys, just a reminder. You know, if you go onto Trainer Road, um, it's you know, it's basically ten ten bucks. bucks. It's ridiculous. (laughs) And there's thousands of workouts. So, I mean, if you want to get specific for for your tri training, um, you can get stuck into the you know, for you guys in North America and and um, in Europe, etc. You know, you've got all the plans there for guys down under New Zealand, Australia. If you may be looking to work a bit more on, uh, say, improving your FTP, there's different plans there. So you can pick individual workouts or you can go through through these plans process to you know, help you along the way and 
get rid of us all us coaches like me, put us out, put us out of business. Uh, but no, no, on the contrary, coaches can make really good use of our software. Absolutely, and that was one thing I'm going to. I've been saying um, if you go on here and you check out the IM Talk team, um, Chad's exactly what Chad said. I use it from a coaching um, tool. I make up custom workouts, and then you can share them with your athletes on there. So it is a fantastic tool to make sure that you know your athletes are doing the specific workouts that you want them to be doing. Sure. So, um, Chad, as always, thanks so much for your time. And uh, you, guys, we'll get uh, get on trainerroad.com. Yeah, get it, check it out, guys. Less than a cup of coffee a week. There you go. Exactly. Don't have that coffee, get trainer road. There we go. Okay, Jumbo, your thoughts? Uh, not necessarily my thoughts, but we'll put a link through, a direct link through to the triathlon training page. plans um, for triathlon training plans uh, on our iamtalk.me um, because they are basically launching them in the next week or so and so it's not super easy to find them immediately um, at the right now to actually go in there and actually find them but they're basically going to be launching them in the next week or so and uh, it's good stuff good stuff you can go on there and uh, just whatever distance you're training for you can get stuck into it so check out iamtalk.me and uh, if you're listening to this a few weeks late then they should be all up on trainerroad.com do with it Good April Fools for triathlon? Um, no, well, not that I know of. No, neither. No, okay, Jumbo's questions and answers. Dear Andrew Cunningham, <laughs> you're gonna read out the whole thing. <laughs> well, that's no, quite cool. Andrew Cunningham, um, this is actually really cool. WTC, well done. So, Andrew Cunningham was doing Ironman Kins last year and had to pull out. I'm not sure if it was Ironman Kins, but it was an Ironman. Uh, yeah, I think it was Kins, but based on what he was telling me. But um, it was either pulled out or didn't finish it or didn't start the race. Can't remember exactly what happened. I think he pulled out. Um, but WTC have sent him an email saying, "Look, we just realised you didn't finish last year. We'd love it for you to be able to fill your Ironman dream, and to reward you for your past entry, we're offering you the incentive of an Ironman Kins entry for five hundred dollars. Now it's about a thousand bucks, isn't it?" An entry? I don't think it'd be quite a thousand. Let's do some research. But this is this is something that I, they sent it out to somebody else um, who I coach as well. So the cynic would say they're trying to do a money grab and get more people to enter Cairns because it obviously hasn't sold out. Yeah, no, does it happen to other races? Do they do they do? Yeah, it's like, the first that I've seen of it. But so the cynic, as I said, the cynic would say they're just trying to get more people into that race. Um, other more positive people might say, nice work WTC, you're looking after your customers who maybe had a, had a DNF and you're trying to encourage them to come along to the next race. So. Well, I think we're going to give a bit of love here. I okay. think we're going to be positive, not cynical. Okay, you know? positive. I know you've got the inner rage. <laughs> next rage. week you're going to let it out. Okay, so if you want to do Ironman Kins, let's have a look here. So, uh, so which is on the 14th of June. Yeah, 14th of June, which is... I've given, I've given you a few months train. You've got April, May, half of June. You've okay, so it's costing weeks. you 775 Australian. Yeah. And so you're saving 200, he's saving nearly 300 bucks. Yeah. That's pretty good. It's good. I like the initiative. I think it's good. But it'd be cool if they had it all the time. Obviously, that's probably not going to happen. So I, I think <laughs> the cynic may have some thick kind of truth to it. Yes. But, you know, like it is cool. Because I imagine there are a lot of people who kind of, unfortunately, the Iron Man dream doesn't happen mm-hmm. and they still want to tick that box. So, you know, yeah, well done, Iron Man. We're not all loaded. No, far out, no. Well, remember the, the who was that guy who did the triathlon research? Because mm. remember, there's the, there's John and I. You know, there's the the magazine stats they put out there. You know, the average triathlete earns two hundred thousand a year. Mm. <laughs> it's like, mm. uh, and then you know, the, the guy, we had those guys on maybe a couple of years ago. The guys who do the 
triathlon research in the UK. Mm-hmm. And I was saying, actually, the average triathlete is kind of the average Joe. You know, mm. they're doing pretty much average wage. Um, you know, they've got a full-time job. It's, it's definitely not the high life. Um, and so, yeah, no, this is this is a big commitment for a lot of people who, in their life. So well done, WTC, for this one. The Good cynic stuff. says... Money grab. Money grab, but hey, at least you're doing something. Frank McVeigh. Now, Frank McVeigh has, um, what's his name? Houdini, isn't it? Yep. Yep, Houdini. He sent through an, an interesting comment. So right now, we're, there's a big push for 50 women at Kona. It's not dying. And what's that? It's not dying. It's not dying, is it? No, mm-hmm. no. And Thorsten's got on the website. It's all happening. But what's happened is he said, this is crap. He's fed, he's fed up. He's fed up. I'm fed up. And, uh, I'm a little fed up with the campaign 50 women for Kona because he's sexist. He says, I hate women. No, yeah. <laughs> a joke. He didn't say that. It's a joke. Uh, he goes, here. here's what he says. He goes, as I said, women are not strong enough to have a deep field of 50 slots, which is a pretty out there statement based on everyone else saying, let's get the woman up there. But then he says, the men aren't good enough either for 50 slots. So equality, yes, but it's not so much a cost of a positive negative discrimination. You want a race to be professional, then you must finish Kona within an allocated time of the winner. If a guy gets checked, he's DQ'd. If a woman gets better by an age grouper, she's DQ'd. Um, make all the pros run scared <laughs> to make the cut every year to do the race. But ultimately what he's saying is 40 slots for each. I disagree. Oh. <laughs> I agree. Um... I don't, I, I don't know. I just I don't know why this is just becoming such a big issue. Well, it's because Let's just make it fifty fifty. It's yeah. just I I see both sides of the story. My sort of argument around this is you are a bit more sexist on this one. Well, no, no, I'll, no. Um, the girls are just so much more consistent than the guys. And from what I've seen in the past, and Thorsten's stats back back all that up, you go, but the standard, the women's, you know, the, the times between them is is uh, is the same as the men's. They're e- e- statistically they're equally as strong as yeah. the men. Generally, my point of view has been um, that women outside of that top, um, is it thirty five or forty? Thirty five. Thirty five. I haven't seen any names outside of the top thirty five that I think are going to influence the race significantly. Mm. Whereas in the guys, I see guys that are outside the top 35 um, that could influence the race. And that's because guys are so bloody inconsistent. And guys, you know, the girls don't blow up as badly. Like you have a lot of good guys who blow out and they'll do nine and a half, ten hours for a race. You don't see that happening. Or I don't think that happens as much for the girls. So, you know, you see a Jenna Crawford, she has a bad day and she might be, 15 minutes off where she might normally be. Yeah. You see you know, a lot of the other pros and they're just miles off the pace, the guys. The so guys, girls yeah. still blow up, but maybe Thorsten, you can back this up. I feel that guys statistically blow up a lot more often. And what I don't like at the moment is it's not an equal level playing field in yeah, terms of the not. girls have to do different things to qualify and I don't think that's fair. So I, but I, you don't know they do a 40 each? Because um, even if you lose those top... Those last 10 guys, just, they're still not going to have massive influence on the race. Well, they th- it, it's not a perfect system. I just hate to think that someone like a Marino van Holnacker, who might be coming back from injury or something like that, he could influence the race. And if he's ranked you know, 49th, he's going to miss out. So my preference would be to see 50 and 50. And um, yeah, that's probably going to end up with a few slightly weaker people there that you know, aren't the t- top 50 in the world. But... Um, for the sake of getting a good race, I think just go 50 50. Just stop the arguing. It's just, just get on with it. The question I do have is do you like this idea of uh, guys get checked you out? 
Um, It'd be funny. I don't think you could even do it, but it would be funny if a chick passed it. No, you're out, mate. <laughs> yeah. You're done. I think the standard is pretty woeful in some instances. Yeah. Some people who are racing professionally are just uh, just. Well, and let's look at Rennie. She ran the was it the third fastest time last year. Mm. You know, like so. It, yeah, it's, it's, my, it's my a good thing, laugh with, with guys. If you can't go under nine hours, you've got absolutely no right being a professional. Oh, this, yeah. At your average race. If it's Norse Man or something, different story. But yeah. guys, if you can't go under nine, girls, probably similarly, if you can't go under 10, you got you shouldn't be racing pro. Yeah. Although, but in saying that, you, some girls can turn up to race with six girls, do a 10 and a half an hour, get a paycheck. Exactly. They shouldn't be able to. It's the world we live in, John. Mm. Paul the Thinker. Fraser, did we give him that name? Because that's a good know. one. That's a good one. Uh, you remember about 12 months ago, I sent you through an email about Dave Alley, the guy who held the world record for riding around Australia a few years. Uh, and who is about to set off on a challenge of running around Australia as well. If he makes it, he'll be the first person to complete this amazing feat of both riding and running around Australia. He will be leaving from Lismore, New South Wales on April 19th, heading in an anti-clockwise direction. Dave's goal is to finish the 14,200 kilometre run in 178 days, meaning he'll have averaged a body-destroying 80 k's per day. Oh! Well, Dave is going to be challenged, um, doing this challenge to raise awareness and funds for the White Cloud Foundation, a foundation that supports people suffering from with depression and anxiety. <clears throat> Excuse me. Although this isn't a triathlon specific story, I'm sure you'll agree that it's a huge effort, a great cause, and one that's worth following. For more details, check out a Race Around Australia website, and it's Race Around Oz or Race Around and I'll put a link to the on www.imtalk.me. He also has a Facebook page, John. That's crazy. That's cool. Eighty eh? k's a day. How long is it going to take you? He's probably going to run about eight, so about 10 hours. 178. Oh, how long is that going to take you? Day. 178 days, 80 k's a day. You're probably about 10 hours, probably anywhere from nine to 12 a day, isn't it? Mm. Maybe longer. Mm. Got to be some pretty hot places as well. How does your body handle that? Because on the bike, you get it. You know, like, yeah, yeah. you know, on the bike, if you do 200 days of biking, it's, don't, don't get me wrong, respect. Yeah. But running, impact. Yeah. And just the heat factor. You wait. You wait till you hear about my idea for us and Kai, uh, for for tenth anniversary. Oh, really? I've, got, I've got ideas. But anyway, I did, mean, but did I tell you about Phil Keegan? So when I was doing the modelling of Phil Keegan, my mate Phil, your mate Phil, yeah. uh, we um, he he's done this documentary. Did you have a documentary he made? Don't think so. Okay, so he made this documentary, and it's, it's not out yet, but it can't be far away. Um, the first New Zealand to do Tour de France did it in around 1930. Right. So it's a documentary, and. Some bloodline, he's maybe a lost relative or something. So Phil's maybe connected to him in some way, shape or form. And so what Phil does is he decides he'll do a, a documentary on that race, but not just of the New Zealand, kind of of the stories mm. of the race. But throughout the documentary, he's riding the tour on a bike they use from 1930. So he's he's actually doing oh, the, Phil Cogan was riding yeah, on it. Yeah. And, and one day it was like a 420k day. <clears throat> Really? Yeah, and it took him twenty three hours. Like it was just, just absolute madness. Nice. But he said it's <laughs> screwed his body for like for five six months. Oh yeah. Yeah, he was screwed. Did a lot of damage to his body. Yeah. So then you think like the, you know what's his name Dave? Yeah. Dave running around Australia, eighty k's a day. It's pretty impressive. You'd have to do a shuffle run, wouldn't you? Big turnover. Oh yeah. No impact. Keep your impact down. Mm. Oh, impressive. So if you want to check that out, you want to support the White Cloud Foundation, you can go to www.racearoundaus.com.au. 
John, I've got a couple of emails I checked in here as well. Hey boys, keep up the good work. This is from Skip the Bone Crusher Slade. He's got a uh, you you are my must listen to podcast each week. Love your work. Uh, you mentioned in your the first triathlon in San Diego on Fiesta Island. Fiesta? Yep, Fiesta. Fiesta. Uh, on this week's show, just in case you hadn't seen this elsewhere, the attached picture is the plaque that was recently placed at the entrance of the island. Fiesta Island is a bike, run, and dog-friendly place. It is a relatively safe place to ride uh, with a one-way flat road going around the perimeter that's about, right about 7k long. Uh, cycling groups and triathlon groups often meet there, especially during the week. I'm included in this as I have a group that train on Wednesday, but they basically got a plaque nice. that represents the 25th of September in 1974, Festa I Triathlon, and it was the first ever triathlon. There's some debate around that, but that's the first official triathlon. Okay, John Hellman's debates that. This, apparently there's one in France and like, Oh, 1930s yeah. or something yeah. like that, but I think. But I think that's that's the seed that planted what we have today. Yes. You know yep. what I mean? Like you know, like you can say, it's a nice plaque too. We we had a couple of discussions around the military. I'm just time to kill jumps. So I'm doing it, uh, Mike. Uh, parrot. I, I knew parrot. He's just got. We had kind of two different demos. Got uh, on your. Show about the military. So military slots are due to the. So he's saying why are we doing the military? We were talking a few weeks ago about this. And he's got military slots are due to the IM history, where the first Ironman was organised by naval officer John Collins. I think that most of the competitors in the first Ironman were military personnel. Previously, only US personnel would qual- could qualify for Kona. Now that it's been open to personnel worldwide, there are three qualifying races in Melbourne, West Baden, and a Super Frog, which is US. Um, but then Richard Easton had a differing opinion. He had, g'day, just out gardening and listening to your podcast. Good. Pull up those uh, carrots. Yep, pull up the carrots. Um, not a bad way of spending a few hours. Anyway, um, I was here, uh, I was there, oh, so he's talking about the military slots at Melbourne. I was there watching and was a bit surprised when I heard that they announced that there were 75 age group and 10 military slots. Seems a bit unbalanced. Aussie and New Zealanders have a different view on the military, which is a similar view. A similar view on the military, which is profoundly different from our American perspective. And I don't mean in a negative way. We respect our military, e.g., Anzac Day, but it's a lot more subdued. Uh, To be fair, I understand that, that the military slots were worldwide, but frankly, I don't know too many international military who would travel all the way to Australia. And from what Bevan was saying, that appears to be the case. We love our military, but we compete as equals. So he's kind of maybe not so keen on that. Mm. Jumbo, um, your interview, I listened to your interview with Valerie Silk. Yes. Pretty good interview. Good, thank you. Yeah, yeah it was a great yeah. interview. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, if you haven't listened to that, guys, just because we're talking about John Collins. Mm. And because uh, he got taken off the island, I didn't realise it was the case. Mm. He got reposted, and that's mm. why he got rid of it. Mm. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. No, it was, I enjoyed that interview. Yeah, if you haven't checked out Legends of Triathlon. So who's Valerie Silk, John? She was more or less the original race director of uh, Ironman. So the first couple of years, it was kind of just a bit of a fun event. But when she basically took the event to being serious and really grew it through the 80s and was there, was the person involved when it turned professional and really involved through those real breakthrough moments when we had the the crawl off with um, Julie Moss. Moss And also one thing I didn't ask her about, uh, her last race was 1989, which was the Iron Wall. Oh. So I didn't really ask her about if, if if that was had a significant impact on her or not, or maybe it was more of a later thing that you know we started celebrating that Iron War a bit more further down the track. Well, the really fascinating thing is, is she just 
kind of once she walked away, she walked away, didn't yeah. she? Yeah. Yeah. Like she was asking you some questions. Yeah. You know, she doesn't know anything about that. She really yeah. doesn't, like, hasn't, ke- like, doesn't even look like she's kept any interest in it. No. Yeah, really fascinating. Blows yeah. me, but blows me away is that she hasn't been invited back to Iron Man or anything like that. Yeah. Like that. She should be up on the stage, you know, out there. I don't know, whatever, we'll like 30, a 30 year, 30 year yeah. anniversary saying this lady, you know, helped the sport grow massively, but she's not. Well, she's responsible for mm. a big part of what we have today because mm. she took it to New Zealand, Yeah, you know, like it was It was interesting They were because for those who don't know, New Zealand Ironman for the first few years was a shorter race mm. and the reason they did that, which was interesting, was they wanted Hawaii just to keep the prestige and mm. so you kind of, the idea behind that was that well, if we do New Zealand, it's going to be shorter because it means that I'm in, in Hawaii is the only time you do the full distance. Imagine if that was still like that now, how big a deal it would be to get to Hawaii. Yeah. So. Yeah, it would have been interesting, but obviously mm. it didn't work. Mm. Uh, just one other thing, Sean Parker, he did it, when we were talking about the cricket, he did an intro on a YouTube clip and I put on an, uh, it was just funny and I didn't give him enough love on the show. So Sean Parker, you rock. Mm. Anyway, Jumbo sponsor. Extreme endurance. If you've got some of those sore joints kicking off we've obviously got um, all your extreme regular extreme endurance products but they've also got extreme joint four for fast acting natural ingredients for joint health it's uh, excuse me again yeah we're, 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 we didn't get the water got to, that's got why to go swimming normally got John comes in the morning and he goes water Goes straight into the kitchen, grabs the yeah. water cup. What happened? Oh, he scared me. Was, was, John scared me this morning. He even leaves the door open for me, and so I can just wander in. I set my computer up, and, and this morning he wasn't here, so I figured he's got to be on the toilet. I, I was going to the toilet, yep. And uh, so I head around the corner. And I walk in, <laughs> he jumped out in front of me, and you got me. You didn't, I didn't crap myself, but you didn't get me. Yeah. Well done. God, I didn't want to do any cleaning up. Yep. Anyway, Extreme Joint 4, it's only uh, thirty-one fifty for a container, and it'll make sure that all your, not only your muscles, but your inner joints will be working a hell of a lot better. It's uh, also no. I'm going to get you a glass of water. Listen to you. Thank you. You sound like an old man. I know. Um, so you basically have three capsules, two times a day, six capsules a day with your meals, and have yourself feel it. Get yourself feeling good. If you go for the recurring delivery, save yourself a couple of bucks and the jobs are good. So get your muscles feeling good with extreme endurance and then get your joints feeling good with extreme joint number four. Keep talking. He's filling some of our fresh Christchurch water and you'll be happy to know that we can now see the mountains again. Might be a couple more centimetres of snow out there, but we can see them. Yeah, definitely the weather has turned to custard. Although I was saying, I was saying to people this at the gym the other day because we have definitely had the best summer in my lifetime. Mm. And people go, oh, but when I was younger. And my argument is, when you're younger, you weren't working. You're outside yeah. more often. Yeah. Because we probably, I reckon we probably had fifty sunny days this summer. When you just pulled that one out of your butt. No, but no, but we, well, because <laughs> it was pretty mid December through to April. That's not even talk fact for you. Yeah, that's an. I reckon, I reckon fifty days above twenty five. Right, and, and the thing is, we didn't get the winds this year. I'm going to Met Service to find what out. What do you reckon? Stands. It was a very good summer. Yeah, I reckon. I'm I, hearing you. Yeah, uh, do your research on that one. <laughs> that, can be, that can be next week's stat. Okay, um, so once again, sponsors: Extreme Endurance, uh, Lactic Buffer, Trainerroad.com. Just do it. Athlinks.com. Just do it. Get the wetsuit. And Blue Seventy. Yeah, and let's talk about the patrons. Yes, you got to do. You got to do one it. name I've there. Okay. Yeah. What did you come up with? Paul Monroe. Paul Monroe. So my, my, one of my best friends is a guy called Chris. He actually changed his name. 
but his name was Chris Munro. He was one of my best friends, and he was this really kind of bouncy character, and everyone called him um, Tigger because he was just this... He was a guy who deliberately changed his hair colour to orange. Right. It's a strange thing to do, isn't it? <laughs> you know, like, but he did it. And then, um, but he was a good bouncy. And I was going to go Tigger, but then, uh, who wants to be called Tigger? So Paul Wimmer, you're the tiger. Okay. The tiger. Right. Yes. There you go. Yes. Righty ho. We've also got uh, James the Wise One Botel. I have to say, James the Wise, he's been a big factor on this show, hasn't mm-hmm, he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's James the Wise One. And we've got Richard Whitington, and it's got Don't Mess with the Scary Beard. That's a good one. That is a, that is a good Don't Mess with the Scary Beard Whitington. Beautiful. Gareth. The Mighty Flynn Flynn. Yes, I reckon I made that one up because yeah, yeah, I used to have a mate called the Mighty Flynn. And then Brett, how's that one? Summit? Yep. Uh, Brett Summit. Rainbow Man. Where's that come from? It was an oldie but a goodie. I can't remember why. Did you see the rainbow yesterday? No. There was a perfect rainbow that went across the city. God, we love our weather in New Zealand. Oh, we do love it. We don't have much else to talk about in New Zealand. Yeah. <laughs> Last night on the news, the first 15 minutes was weather. I've changed news channels. What are you going to three? Uh, Prime. Oh, really? So Why? We have, we, have, we have two two news channels and we have three. Yeah, three. Two main news, and they're both an hour long. And you just watch it. It's the same crap every single night. Well, but here's my theory to watching news, John. I like politics. You like politics? Yeah. I'm always interested yeah. to see what's happening in politics. So I'm always interested in po- fast forward the wars. Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. always some war in somewhere in bloody yeah. in the Middle East. Don't care about it. Fast forward the wars. Watch sport. Yeah. And and funny interest stories. Yeah. Don't watch any weather. Yeah. Fast forward no, the weather. Fast forward the weather. So my news only takes me about 23 minutes to watch. Well, then you go to half, that's what you go to Prime News, it's half an hour, and it's all news. It's all, it's oh. actually stuff that's happened. Oh. It's good. Oh. Liking it. And then what, do you watch Craig Goes Wild? No. Because if you like that program, you do them ahead in. I do like that program. Oh, you do them ahead in, John. Yeah. Because they don't, they just, they just joke. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Nothing worse nothing, than a show with nothing two worse clowns than, who just joke. At least their show's half an hour, <laughs> an hour and a half. Uh, oh, no, I just wish they were a bit more factual. It's just about them having laughs. It's like, okay, well, give me some facts. Oh, anyway, good. Jumbo. Yes. What you got? Oh, if you want to be a patron, dub 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 and talk to me. Send us through a photo. Send us through a photo. And we put it on, I'll put it on the website. You'll be part of our cool crew. There you go. You let, and join us. If you go, if you become a patron at the different levels, you get a ticket into coming to Kona uh, next year, 2016. Ooh. We're going to be back. Okay. Well, a great so, well, here idea. We, here we go. Here we go. So next year is our 10-year anniversary. So we're doing it? We're doing it? Because I'm, I'm, I'm starting to think I'm going to have to train. Yeah. So now, here, now here's the plan. Okay, wait. When are we doing it? So it's going to be a delayed 10-year uh, anniversary because our 10-year anniversary is going to be in April. Um, I do my annual Kona camp. I actually I have one. I don't want to get a Kona. Shh, 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 settle, petal. <laughs> um, just one other thing. I have one spot left for my Kona camp, oh. and I have to have it filled in the next three or four days. So if you want to come, I may well also have a special guest professional athlete coming. May do working on it at the moment. Right. Well, give me a hint. Uh, he wins lots of races. Rhymes with? I'm not telling anymore. <laughs> well, hopefully have it confirmed today. So wait, still racing now? Still racing now. Wait a second, just, I'm going to guess right now. You don't have to confirm. Yeah. I'm going to guess. <laughs> wins lots of professional races. Can you give me a country of origin? No. Because that's too obvious. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so it's a Kiwi. you got Terenzo. It's not confirmed yet. I'm going to say Terenzo Buzzoni. That's my prediction. <laughs> that's my prediction. Probably wrong. Probably wrong. Probably wrong. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Okay, um, so you've been thinking. So, so I have this, my kind of camp each year. Next year, 2016, we're doing Epic Camp France. Also, just a little plug for Epic Camp France. I still have spaces on that. 
it's going to be awesome. Mm. And I've got a new challenge, 100 100s we're going to be doing. Uh, it really makes me want to go. <laughs> so if you want to come to France, come to France. But it's come, I was thinking, oh, Belinda's going to get a bit annoyed if I go away to Kona at the start of the year for my Kona camp, then go to France. Oh, you did Kona earlier? Well, I normally do my Kona in Kona sort of, um, May, June time and then go to France uh, at the end of June and then go to Kona in October. I'm thinking that's a mm. little bit too much. Yeah. So I'm probably not – well, I'm not going to do my Kona camp in May next year in 2016. I was thinking, hang on, we're going to Kona for Ironman. Yeah. Let's extend that trip out a little bit and I'm going to do the camp in Kona before Ironman so people can come over – We'll do a loop of the island. I'm going to do it reverse direction. You get to see all that is Kona is about, and then people can stay on and watch Iron Man. But what about so you want to do our thing? Later? So, 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 so hang on. So then, but why don't we just all do our thing as well? So hang on a second. So if you want to, if if, if this is of interest for you, it's going to be quite difficult for me to organise because it's bloody Busy hard to do accommodation yeah. over there. But I'll be able to sort it out if we have enough. You need to confirm you, it now, but yeah, if you're interested in going to Kona next year. We basically do a week-long awesome camp all around the island. Do I have to train for that camp as well, do I? We'll, we'll discuss that. Yeah. Uh, and then we'd, we'd get back into Kona on probably um, Wednesday and then we'd bike the course and then the race would be on Saturday. So we'd do a, a seven or eight-day camp and then have a few extra days in Kona. So you're obviously not racing Kona, you just want to have an awesome camp. So you might be looking to late-season race wherever you are or, or getting some early-season training in, mm. depending on where you are in the world. You come along, you do the camp, and then you can have the kind of the Kona experience. Exactly. And then, um, and then my idea for us, Bevan, is on the Thursday, Friday. I was thinking, what we do? A, I, was, I was thinking on Friday, we do Kona. We'd do the Iron Man, but then I was thinking that's almost on a Friday, do the whole race. Yeah, no way. <laughs> <laughs> the next day's a massive day. So I was thinking maybe that's just a touch stupid. Uh, you could do swim bike. Then when run. I was thinking, yeah, I was thinking Thursday we'd do swim bike. But we, but Friday we'd do the run. Here. We work our houses. No, we can't. Here. Nobody interview. We have Friday. Thing. I go. I agree. But yeah. Thursday's a big day for us still. Anyway, that's my idea. We'll, we'll think about it. But why do why, why, like, I like the idea of the camp and we can make that work? But why why can't we just still do the April thing as our ten year anniversary? Okay, and then we can do the kind of thing. Yeah, because I'm thinking. The idea of doing an Ironman the day before an Ironman. I was thinking that would be epic, but then I was thinking... The problem is, the thing is, like if it was back in the old days, when I was as fit as you, mm. I'd probably be keen, because you know we could probably pop it out in like 12 hours and just have a fun day. Mm. Whereas you just take off and be by myself all day. Yeah, you could sit on my wheel the whole way through. No, but I, 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 I don't think I could even sit on your wheel now. Mm. I'm probably for a two-hour bike ride the other day. I'm pretty average. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, mean, I love that you can do Summit Road again. Yeah. And so I went and did Summit Road, that, was, that ride used to take me an hour 30. <laughs> it took me two hours. So so anyway, I think the main point there is, um, yeah, if we're going to do the April thing, it's going to be a, a three-day Ironman. Yeah, I so love it. I reckon that's the idea. Lock it cool. in. Lock it in, Eddie. And, we'll, and what we're going to do, so we're going to lock it in. What, maybe what we'll do is we'll say there's a date. There will be a price because what we'll do is we'll put some, like we'll have an event around it. So we'll make, like mm-hmm. it'll be 100 bucks or something stupid like that. But it will be very much, each day we'll have something that will go alongside the, the event. Mm-hmm. So because... You know, obviously the swim day is not going to take that long, so we can maybe right. go have a big barbecue somewhere, or you know, because mm-hmm. uh, maybe a little bit before April, maybe March, so you get hopefully better weather. Yep. And so, 
Um, so your swim day, you know, then we, if it's, we can hopefully get a good day, then you can have a big barbecue or something or have a backup for that. The bike day is going to be a pretty long day, so mm-hmm. maybe just have a quick dinner at night and then the run day and, you know, then everyone can bugger off after that. So there will be a, sh- a small price for it, but that's because there'll be lots of social around it as well. So just in the back, maybe what we'll do is we'll come to you guys with a date in the next couple of weeks and if you want to come along, or you'll be looking after accommodation and stuff, um, but it'll be pretty cool. Bevan's got a big place. I've got a couple of spare bedrooms. My daughter's left home, so you know you go. Everyone can camp out in my bedroom. Um, okay, John, what's your goss? What's my goss? But I do like the idea of the camp. Yeah, I think people would be keen on that. Yeah, you'd love it as well. You get to see the whole island. You come around yeah. the other side, and I was thinking, doing it in the opposite direction would be cool. I can be a Tony and Charlie guy. Help yep. out those guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was thinking we could share the support duties a little bit because oh, yeah? it's, it's, yeah. it's really expensive for me to get support people over there. Yeah. And so we could sort of tag team. Um, do a bit of training. Do a bit, bit of, tra- bit yeah, of training. Bit of support. Yep. Anyway. My goss, um, had a fun night last night. Oh, you've got bloody light just turned on outside but your place. What, lightning? You've got, a, you've got a, a light just down there, a street light. Oh, yeah. It's turned it's, on. You know what was really annoying about the street it's, light? It's like 8.30 in the morning. It wasn't on before. It just you, turned you on. you know what was really annoying about my street light? It just perfectly sits in where my, my curtains are. Oh. So at night, I often can wake up and it's just this light on me. It's mm. really annoying. Annoying. Anyway. You know what's not annoying? I had a fun night last night. What were you doing last night? Watch Thunderbirds with Thomas. So is it good? He loved it. Really? So yeah. so for those who don't know, Thunderbirds, we all know Thunderbirds, but uh, Weta, which is Peter Jackson's production company, have done a, a new version, which is a cartoon? Uh, a CGI? It, or? No, it's it's sort of like the old stuff. No, but the play, they aren't puppets. No, but they kind of look a bit like the old things. So. Yeah, but it is it's cartoons. Not, um, is it cartoons? No, I don't know. What do you call it? Looks. It's it's like what it used to be. It's a not, motion capture. I don't know what you call it. Okay, wait a second. It's not a cartoon. Movie. Anyway, um, it was cool, <laughs> really cool. It's probably been in America for probably about no, no, a year. No, no, it's just been released. Is it? Yeah, okay, maybe. Yeah. yeah. So it was cool. I enjoyed that with Thomas. He absolutely loved it. Really? Yeah. Thunderbirds are gold. Thunderbirds are gold. Here we go. Thund- Five, four, three. Did you like Thunderbirds as a kid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So oh, that was Mike. That was my exciting weekend. Uh, but had a nice time John, up in Kaitiri. It's on, it's on, on demand. Oh, nice. Wait, so you know, wait, I'll let this go. You talking, I'll get it. What's this, team? How about that? International Rescue. Where's, where's, the, where's the theme music? I want the theme music. No, they didn't really have that. It wasn't like the old days. Uh, anyway, great okay. podcasting. But it was good. It delivered? But Tommy loved it. And Isn't it, it cool like, when you have something that you are so nostalgic for, for when you're a kid and your kid loves it? Mm. Like me with my Barbie dolls. Yeah, <laughs> Tyler <laughs> loves them. Nice. <laughs> uh, and then we had a nice time up in ha- Kaiteri and Hamna. Almost killed myself. I went for a, I did a run, a 33, we ended up being 33Ks from Kaiteri to where I had my hash brown. That's why my hash brown tastes oh, so yeah, bloody good. Yeah, it does make food better, doesn't it? I wanted to check out this this biking route for, for Thomas and uh, it was 33Ks and- You're going to bike him for 33Ks? Yeah, he wants to do that, yeah. Nice. Um, but it was got pretty hilly at the end and I sort of had to time- How long did it take? Well, it only took me two, it was under two and a half hours and I got a 225. Um but I ran. I was running along at sort of four thirty per k pace along yeah. the flats. I wanted to, not hard, but not easy. Yeah. 
just wiped me out for a few days. Really? <laughs> Absolutely crushed me. I bonked towards the end. That hash brown, I had a hash brown, and then I went for the chocolate brownie, and uh, just <laughs> it, was it was all in. So it was good times. And Hamner, fantastic, awesome place. Coming to around Christchurch, Christchurch, not heaps going on in Christchurch these days. You know, we're just really recovering from the earthquakes. Oh, Hamner, I don't know. top restaurants. Where's the Burrito? Have you been there? No, Belinda's been there. It's pretty good. Mm. Other thing that happened up there. Belinda's looking for a bit of motivation for something to do. And yeah, getting, bit, getting a little bit sick of the, the – she enjoys the gym, but she just wants something a bit, yeah, bit different. Yeah, yeah. And um, I sort of gave a few suggestions. She doesn't listen to me. No, of course not. And then uh, she goes I've, – I've said to her a few times, why don't you do the Abel Tasman race? Oh, yeah. And then she, and that was ages ago. And then she goes, why don't I do the Abel Tasman race? And she went on the website and there's only 15 entries left. Oh, wow. And, uh, and so she ran, got, got in contact with Jen and uh, – and by, done, by lunch time they're into wow because mm. that's a big race it's a quarter of a marathon mm. you know my, my, my time there was in my marathon time mm. you know and it's um, oh man that, that was my favourite race of all time mm. That we were very lucky because it's September yep. so it can be hit and miss with weather mm-hmm. but the year I did it it was 14 degrees clear skies no wind it was Jeez, it's paradise there. It's, mm. it's one of my favourite places in the world. Mm. It's an amazing place. Well, there you go. So there you go. Spelinda's going to be on the John Newsom Run Programme. Oh, so she'll take your programme? Mm. Oh, nice. That's very generous of you. I know. Yeah. She's paying for it, don't worry. Kevin, <laughs> mm. uh, what's happening in your world? Well, Beretta, I, w- I would recommend, yeah. We mm. tipped, John. I never tip. Don't tip in New Zealand. I know, but the guy was so good, you felt obligated to. Right. We gave him 15 bucks. Goodness. Admittedly, we had to have a voucher. <laughs> no, no, yeah. no, no, for the meal because I won it for something at work. Yeah. And so, an $80 voucher, it's not a cheap place. I think the whole meal would have been maybe 140 mm. uh, But there's $15 tip. Nice. Because <laughs> in New Zealand, we don't tip. I know you American listeners, that seems odd. But in New Zealand, you'd never tip, eh? No. And you'd never think to tip. No. But the guy was ridiculously good. Yeah. I sneezed, John. Yeah. I sneezed. He wasn't even around us. Yeah. One second later, there's a tissue next to me. <laughs> Like I'm not joking. Yeah. I'm like, whoa, is he? Whoa, where was he? He's yeah. like, so he got a tip. He deserved yeah. it. He was very, very good. So I uh, went to Burrito. Uh, what else has been happening? Um, we went to Kaikoura. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For your one day. Yeah. You just couldn't get any coaches. No, I had to go for just one day in the end, but yeah. that was cool. Uh, lots of kids. kids. Now, is it, if you're coming to Christchurch again, that's a cool thing to do. You go Kaikoura. Hamner Christchurch it's called the Alpine Triangle yeah and the Quality. nice thing about Kokora Kaikoura is if it's their real kind of sea life so you can, like fishing and they because mm. the boys went out fishing and uh, and they got like uh, um, power mm-hmm. and they got um, some cray nice and uh, some other fish which I don't yeah. even know what it was yeah but that was good and then what else been happening um, how's your running going John are you watching The Bachelor no, I refuse to watch programs like that. They're just stupid, <laughs> absolutely stupid. You, the, the, you really, you, you're not, you're not a big fan. No, <laughs> you, what do you really absolutely think? Absolutely stupid. <laughs> I haven't watched it either, but it seems to captivate New Zealand right now. Mm. People are talking about the Bachelor. The big question that Joe and I have had in our life right now. I walked out to the lounge the other day, John, play my piano because I often play my piano, and then Joe will be in the lounge doing stuff. She's doing the ironing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Joe jo, jo irons a lot of things, and sometimes I wonder if she needs to iron. <laughs> no, irons nothing. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, well, we've got contrasting partners yeah. in this case because Joe will iron my gym, my gym singlets, yeah. which I don't really get because I kind of just you just put them in my. About your undies. She probably does. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. She irons, but she, you know what she was on the other day, John? What a tea towel. Yeah. A tea towel. Why yeah. would you own a tea towel? 
Make it just look nice, feel nice. Well, that's what that was her comment. That in the in the la- in the kitchen, mm. the tea towel looks nice when it's been ironed. Mm. In your new kitchen, are you got iron tea towels? No. Oh, let's the kitchen down, John. Mm. Let's it does. Down. Are you loving your new kitchen? The kitchen's going good. Nice. Yeah. Nice new oven. Do you love the oven? Yeah. Fisher and Paykel. What's did you change? You know, like I know it's the same area, but did you change anything about the kitchen that made it function differently? Yeah, you got a bit more space. Oh. Not more bench space. Nice. Less cupboards. Things are a little more compact in the cupboards. How much do you need? How much do you need? You know, you're just padding your time, Bevan. We, we, we can wrap. We can wrap it. Okay. We can wrap right, it. I'm the one who actually needs to leave early this week, don't I? Mm. So, okay. Oh, you wanted to add something there, did you? Yeah. Oh. Got uh, next month's legends lined up. Paul Huddle. Pretty oh, cool. you got have, Paul you got, have you got any questions about? I've tried him a few times, haven't you? How'd you manage uh, that? No, no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Lee. Yeah. No, we had him on the show once before. Now he's Paul is he? Uh, so Paul was the guy who does used to do competitive radio with Bob Babbitt and he was sort of the, the, the guy with Bob who used to do the Iron Man live coverage. So what happened? What's he doing now? Uh, well, we'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. And also the partner of Paul and you be Fraser. We have had him on I Am Talk before. Yeah. We yeah. had him a long time yeah. ago. Yeah. Real yeah. good guy. Well, sounds Bit like of a character. Real. Yeah. 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 Hey, Paula doesn't want to do interviews, does she? No, but I'm going to keep pushing. Yeah, man, we've got to get Paula. Mm. How can you have Legends of Triathlon without Paula Newby Fraser? Exactly. Come on, Paula, sharpen up. I know mm. you're listening. Mm. We know you love us. Mm. Rightio, let's wrap it up. John, I'm sick of you talking. I'm Russ. I'm Endo. Train hard. Train smart. Kick hard.